Osiris. Count to three. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Howdy, everyone. Welcome back to the Lost Highway podcast, episode 62. This podcast is brought to you by Osiris Media because this road needs a place to go. And our friends over at Topo Chico for keeping us high. Drated both offstage and offstage. Okay. Thank you for joining me here today on Thanksgiving last week. Uh, a few days after my, I had had found out my grandmother passed and, um, I came back from Zion in Utah. I was hiking out there. I did Angel's Landing, uh, absolutely absurd hike. Um, but over on Thanksgiving, I took too many milligrams of cannabis edibles and I, uh, I had all this bad news with my family and I had all this inner tension with myself. And, uh, as the night carried on, I actually went into a really dark place and this kind of negative trip lasted for... Uh, three or four days and I, it wasn't a psychedelic trip and I wasn't high the whole time but I definitely had a archetypal force within me I mean, it might have been several come up and start having a rather you know disciplinary almost going to the principal's office kind of conversation and it, it was really tough because I, I kind of had this imposter syndrome thinking that you know uh, I'm d I've done the wrong thing with my life <laughs> for all these years and I should pursue something else and that I, it's all vain and just negative things and and, and why I'm being transparent and sharing this with you is because I stumbled upon this Carl Jung quote that I think is is brilliant. And I also think anyone who's ever achieved anything has felt this way because I've reached out to so many people over the weekend, like dozens, and they've all felt this way. And I think it's great uh, just to know that um, you have a friend, myself, that is, is sharing this reality of reality with you, of emotions and, and pursuing things in the world. It's that you will at times feel very lost and very scared and very existentially unsound and angsty. And I like this quote by Carl Jung to kind of bring you back to um, what we call Earth here. <sighs> Depends what Earth you're talking about. Here we go. To be satiated with the necessities of external success is no doubt an inestimable source of happiness. Yet, the inner man continues to raise his claim. And this can be satisfied by no outward possessions. And the less this voice is heard in the chase after the brilliant things of this world, the more the inner man becomes a source of inexplicable misfortune and uncomprehended unhappiness in the midst of living conditions whose outcome is expected to be entirely different. Whoa. Listen to that inner man. Listen to that inner voice. The inner voice is not just your conscious uh, uh, work. And it's not just you. There, It's probably many sources that you are not aware of that are coming through in a understandable dialogue that we use in, in English or whatever native language you speak. Um, but it's just a matter of fact that it's in your language. It, it, it's, a, it's a source that is from many levels of consciousness that are very deep and archetypally um, sewn with, 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 with deep con unconscious and subconscious feelings. And it's like, you have to listen to this thing. And if you don't, it starts to create a negative kudzu that just ties your whole external world into this place that is not positive. And when I realized that my, when my internal purpose here was 
from the inner man and not in the chase of external very uh, verification but internal uh discovering then i realized i could kind of step back from this negative uh bully pulpit of some kind and, and relax um but the vain pursuit of things that are only external who seems very short-sighted and seems like kind of a waste of consciousness uh, to be satiated with the necessities of external success is no doubt an inestimable source of happiness, yet the inner man continues to raise his claim. And this can be satiated, satisfied, by no outward possessions. Yep. And the less this voice is heard in the chase after the brilliant things in this world, the more the inner man becomes a source of inexplicable misfortune and uncomprehended unhappiness in the midst of living conditions whose outcome is expected to be entirely different. Pursue from the inner world, use your consciousness and all three layers that, that we know of it to uh, create the external world uh, that you really want to the best degree that you can. And if you, and also if you need help with this, I, I'm going to bring in one of our sponsors here, betterhelp.com, specifically betterhelp.com slash lost highway. If any of the problems I'm talking about here today, and they're not even problems, they're just um, observations of conscious awareness that, that are realities of human existence, stress, anxiety, work problems, relationship problems, self-relationship problems, anything, depression, but betterhelp.com slash lost highway. These are real professional uh, therapists that you can talk to who are going to uh, help analyze and process your thoughts and help organize your immediate environment around you. And this is all done through the safety uh, of, of your home. Uh, so no data is being sold anywhere, all that. It's all trustworthy and it's all good. Betterhelp.com slash lost highway for 10% off today. Perhaps the most important thing to, to any group brand, business, private endeavor, public endeavor, is the essence of community. I think community is just absolutely important in all degrees. And my friend, my next guest today, Tony from Holy Moly Mischief, uh, is more or less a very natural and astute being who knows how to cultivate community very well. And it's very admirable. And the thing about community is that if it's, if it's garnered and compounded organic interest in the pursuit of ideals that are shared in a positive manner and whatever is positive to the group that it is, then it starts to create a real thing. Um, and his brand, his clothing brand, Holy Moly Mischief, not only is their aesthetic on point, the quality of their products are on point, but the way he curates his community, how often he's posting, how often he's talking to people, how he shares voices in the community, how he shares his opinions, how he's talking about the music he loves. And this, the way that the community is garnered here is just really beautiful uh, thing to observe. And so I wanted to get into his brain and I wanted to see uh, how he goes about doing things and organizing his internal consciousness, his external world, and, and all of these things to create something that I just love consuming quite often, which is not only his clothing brand, but his content. Um, my next guest today, my dear friend, Tony from Holy Moly Mischief. I think my first thing I thought of when we were messaging and whatever on Instagram is you had left a voice message. Yeah, I love it. And voice. I thought that was so cute. I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's like very genuine. Cause like, you know, I don't know. Like I'm a very genuine person. So like, I feel like, I don't know. You're just like, you're, I feel like no matter what happens, you're just like yourself. Well, yeah. yeah, I try to be myself, man. It's hard. It's hard to authentically be yourself, but it's also very easy. It's a confusing concept. Yeah. Well, I think more so, I mean, you're a musician, so you're like, 
you are a you are a you, but then you're also there's like uh, you know there as time goes on there'll be more and more of a machine kind of behind the music behind oh, the yeah. you know what I mean and so like should we like this candle yes okay, so like, <laughs> I'll like this I'll like this um this bubbler too yeah yes um man the machine is really a dream I I mean like just to have the like kind of the push behind you yeah and there's a certain level of automation that that you can incorporate as an independent artist on your own. Like you can do Facebook Creator Studio and you can come up with content and do all that shit on your own and, and you know, do pre-saves for songs. And there's just so many facets of yeah of releasing and communicating to people. And it's like, as you know, because you really, really do a good job with Holy Moly Mischief. Like Thank it's really you. inspiring. It's really Thank beautiful. Um, My but, friend who runs like, he runs like seven clothing branches. Whoa. And he was like, he like prints our stuff and he was like, man, I wish I had someone that was like, like how you are for holding my mischief for each one of my brands. He was like, if I could just find like the person who is as passionate about each one of these brands as you are about yours, he was like, we would, it would be over. It'd be great. But it's like, good luck finding someone who's as passionate about what you do with your brand. If you're not the owner. Exactly. Like, that's the luck. hard hiring somebody that's like, I feel like the dead actually are some of the like first people to do that. Yeah, man. Wow. Cause wow. we're all free. Like, it's weird to say because like, but it almost is kind of like, it is spiritual to so many of us. It's so much more than that. But like also like, oh, we're like all like walking billboards for their music because in some way, it's just like when somebody has like a religious, it's like when somebody came back, it's like when Ram Das came back from India and like gave his whole life to this guru over there and was just like wanted to talk about this guru guy. People were kind of at first like, huh, what is that? Have you read Ram Das? You, are you going to yeah, be yeah, here yeah, now? Yes. And Wow. What are your thoughts on Ram Dass? I mean, he's very interesting. Well, of course. As far as like, I think he's very thoughtful. Yeah. Um, it almost is like a little sad for me in yeah. some ways because I'm like very like positive. So like his stuff is very much like, and I'll probably be like this more when I, maybe I'm older like he was, was like he's just more kind of like settled into like a, things as they are where I still am that How like, old are you? I'm 31. That's so young. Yeah, it's like Ram Dass was over that. He was wasn't he over forty when he went to India? Yeah, he was doing. I mean, he was like a grown man with like a he was like a college professor and at stuff. Harvard, right? Yeah. So yeah. like a lot of real. I think the thing that would be so weird though is like, I I still have that like youthful optimism. So I'm like, oh no no, we're gonna make things better. I'm gonna fix these issues for people and myself, or you know, yeah. rather than just like, well, I'll just learn to accept it. I'm just more like, not that. I mean, maybe that's not encompassing what he thinks. Acceptance about. is a weird one. I mean, yeah. so like, um, are you, have you ever read Anthony DeMeo? No, I haven't. Anthony DeMeo is in line with Ram Dass. He's in line with Alan Watts. Have you gotten to Alan at all? Just like poems. <clears throat> Alan Watts had some, yeah, he had these like little haikus and these little short. Yeah. But um, he would actually, he would, he would have these three hour long lectures, man. That mm. would just fucking blow your mind off, yes. you know, to the moon and back. And it's like, you know, um, but talking about acceptance, uh, not attaching any desires or projections or expectations onto people or onto situations or into mm. anything that you do and, and just really trying to see. But boy, is that really hard. Yeah. Like it's really Especially I feel like if you're like a dreamer or like. <laughs> Mm. Like you have the big, vi like we were just talking earlier and I was like, oh, this yeah. for like five, 10 years from now. And you're like, oh, you know, you're already thinking big picture, but like. You gave me that candle. You gave me this candle yes. that, that says Saint of Circumstance and it, uh, and it has Bobby on it with a D'Angelico acoustic. And you're like, <laughs> when you're playing rhythm guitar for Mayer and Dead and & Co. And it's like, like that literally is like, 
if I could ask for anything, you know, aside from getting Cosmic Country to sell up the Ryman, that would be the, my biggest dream. Is yes. I, I, man, to play in Dead Co with John Mayer would just be sick. Fucking unreal. Like it, <laughs> and it's like, but here's the thing about what is unreal. It's like, you know, I just did, just the other day, I like doing three grams mm. of um, AP mushrooms. Yeah. It's just enough for me. And it's like the ego goes away, and it's like I can just kind of like get that USB plug of the universe into my heart. Yes. And like, but it was like, I realized like I should stop saying unreal because like, or I should at least analyze it because it's like the psychedelic experience, it's not real, but it's like the most real. Yes. Dude, exactly. And it's like, what's going on there? So like maybe like these dreams that we say, oh, that's unreal. It's like, well, maybe it's actually just so real. Mm-hmm. No, I, and that's like, I think that's what is interesting about that dream space or about that, or like even like the creative space. Like I try to, I every, I come up with new art every single week. How it's like, you, how do you, how do you come up with new art every week? I mean, that's like the bulk, like it's so weird cause it sounds like you just like live in your head. But like, I would say like the bulk of my day yeah. is not like answering emails or filling orders or doing that kind of stuff. Cause my wife does all that. So like for our Holy Moly Mischief, it's like merchandise, stickers, t-shirts, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So my wife hands all of the like operational stuff. I do know like... How many packages do you guys usually ship on a weekly basis? We do... I mean, we usually do like... I mean, hundreds. Fuck yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, hundred we, I don't know, maybe a thousand packages a month or something like that. Very good, man. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, it's that's crazy too. But, <laughs> but no, I think a big part of my day is like I'll just literally like wake up and like go like fishing for ideas. What does that mean? I'll just like, I'll be like, okay, where do I want to be right now? Okay, maybe I'll go sit at a coffee shop, put on like a show, like a dead show. You go on YouTube for those? Um, some cool obscure ones on YouTube. I'll look up like, I I just kind of will look up like by the air I want to listen to. Yeah. And then just try to like kind of find, like pick a specific song and then maybe let it lead me to a whole show. But I'll just go do that. Or like sometimes at night. But I always, the, the, the biggest saver for me though is I have a terrible like memory. Hmm. And so the notes app on the iPhone, because oh, I'll have like five, 10 ideas. Like I won't, I'll be sitting for 40 hours trying to think of ideas. I won't have any. Then I'll have like my next 10 designs all in like one time. And so then I have to write them all down because otherwise I'll, for, I used to think I didn't have to write them down. And they'd be like, oh crap, I had this thing I loved and now it's gone. <laughs> wow. So you're, um, you're hyper creative. But then you're also a hyper focus on the present moment. And so that allows you to really like capture something when it comes to you. But it's also like <clears throat> you have a hard time staying on one single thing at mm. any given moment, huh? Yes, yes, yes. That's that was that's like the the like mis- the mystery of figuring it out for for me is like when those bursts of and it's almost like the electricity comes in and figuring out how to like properly direct it all when those inspiration moments come, because I feel like they, especially with bands, like there are bands that obviously had like inspired albums and then they tinker off. So like whenever that inspiration comes, yeah, I always am like, I want to be there and be present in it and like dive in, you know? Whoa. So what's your process for coming up with ideas? Cause your ideas are, they're, um, they're reminiscent of a be here now aesthetic where there's like a lot of, um, there's, t- there's typography, mm. there's icon, iconography going on. And then there's also, um, spiritual, incorporations yeah and it's like it's very beautiful and it's very unique and it's like so what's your process you go to just a coffee shop and like turn on something from 77 and then just go yeah i would do 73 probably or 
Yeah, 73. 73 is wild. 73 of the Just Bill. No, music? no Mickey. Oh, yeah. One drummer. Yeah. The Just Bill era is really cool. I mean, Mickey is like the coolest guy. Like, he's like one of the coolest out there guys. But that era of just one drummer, boom, that does it for me. Yeah, it's really fucking cool. Tight. It's just like really tight. Like, yeah. I just don't know. It's crazy for most of the history of the band, there was two drummers. But no, so I'll go to a coffee shop or I'll just like, at, like at the Billy Kreutzmann shows I just went to at Red Rocks, I just had like a very small amount of mushrooms like heading into the show. Mm -hmm. And then like while that show was going on, I'm just like soaking in the music, soaking in the music. Yeah. And, and then I'll just like think of like little ideas or whatever, or like, like that. I did like a little like Sergeant Pepper's kind of thought and it was Captain Tripp's Foolish Hearts Drug Band. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, that'd be kind of cheeky or like kind of funny. Yeah. And I'd had that idea earlier that day and a guy I was collaborating with who lives in Boulder, Colorado, um, Danny Evans is his name. He does this old engine is his thing. But we were collaborating on something and uh, I was like, oh, I really want to do this idea. And then that night we went to the show and they played two Beatles songs. <laughs> and so we were like, oh, I think this is, we should go ahead with it or whatever. Well, that's kind of cosmic. Because not every idea do I go ahead with. Like, I'll have a lot, or like people sometimes will email in and be, oh, oh, I have an idea. And I'm like, oh, that's like the, I don't need ideas. I need like post ideas. Like I have a lot of ideas. I need help making them come to life. You know? What do you mean by that? Well, cause like I'm like, I do a lot of collage. I do a lot of like type print scanning, that kind of stuff. Like, so like that Jerry shirt that you're wearing now, yes. <clears throat> that's how I came turned on to you was that one. That's collaged, huh? Yeah. This is like, this is a scanning out of like an old relics magazine. And then shout out to Pete Shapiro. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I just saw that guy yesterday. Um, but this was like a scan out of an old magazine. And then this is all just like hand drawn stuff that's then like scanned in through like a Xerox machine. Damn. That's so cool. So that's there's great. like that element or like there's some stuff like I did some like Jerry Garcia posters and I had the vision for it, mm -hmm. but I couldn't execute it because I'm limited as like a digital artist. Like I can draw a bit, but not like crazy. And so I was like, well, who's like art do I see this in? Oh, I reach out to that person and say, hey, do you want to? do this. Here's my art idea. Can you help flesh out what I want to do? And there are, there are some artists who can really do that. Some people don't like that idea. So yeah, I think the genius in what you just said is, I want to write that down, is letting go when you can no longer be the best guy handling the job. Yes. And it's like, yeah, like that's the best part. That's why you have a producer on your album. That's why I'm so an engineer your album. That's why you have like an artist to do the front of your album. Because you can't fucking do it all. Mm. I don't even mic my amps. Like I don't know how to mic an amp well. <laughs> like, yes. I don't know. There's so many different kinds of microphones. And like, you know, I asked five different people about these microphones for this podcast before yeah. I picked one. It's like, you should always kind of be talking to the expert. That is what music is so cool about. It's because I feel like the collaboration and the dependence on other people is always. Because like, like some of the best musicians have like terrible albums because they were just not produced well or right. like so yeah. there's like all these layers of trusting others but then is like someone that does like stickers and merch or whatever yeah there could be that hesitation of like oh i need to do this because this is mine and i need like oh i don't want to give credit to somebody else or whatever but finding like illustrators that are just willing to say like hey here's like i'll do like a rough drawing of like here's exactly what i want here's my rough like not as talented as you version wow. would you partner with me in making my vision come to life like i'll credit you and whatever but like i just can't do what I want to do at this moment, but I want it done now. And they'll be like, you know, there are humble artists that will be just be like, yeah, I want to like bring this to life for you. And, and that's, working with somebody like that is like the best for me. Wow. It's just amazing. I like to collaborate too, where it's like both of our ideas, but somebody that's willing to just be like, okay, I have this whole idea. Would you bring it to life? 
is very unique, I feel like. So when you have all these ideas and say you're, because <clears throat> I can relate to that too. It's like I just went into a cabin, my friend's cabin out in um, Fernville, Tennessee, which is a very um, regal part of Middle Tennessee, like very nice, elusive, uh, wealthy properties. And it's like, it's a very nice, calm, peaceful place. And I'm out there and it's like, I've been out there since like I got out at like 6 p.m. And then it was only until like 2 a.m. after I was picking up my guitar and I was I was taking mushrooms. I was outside. The, the the foxes were loud. The owls were loud. Yeah. The fireflies were everywhere. There's turtles and shit. It's like it's loud. It's Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's wild. That is when the ideas came. It was like mm. it's hours into it, and then it's only like one or two of those ideas I got that whole weekend are really good. Yeah. So what what is it that you know? Like when like when did you know? Like say the always grateful hat something yeah. like that. Do you know what I think is weird is I just love to create stuff. And I think I, I think some people get crippled that do art in the sense of they overthink a lot of things Boy. and they go, Oh, it's not perfect. Right. So I just more like go like, okay, I assume like almost none of my stuff is even close to perfect. And uh, probably most of it is not that good, but it's almost kind of like the way they used to make albums is like, Oh, well, like as long as there's like one or two hits, That'll make the album. So that's what I think of as I go, okay, how can I be, I almost kind of think of myself artistically as like a guy like Ryan Adams, because he will just like, he's very prolific. He'll pump it out. But there may be only like five albums that somebody really loves by him out of the 40. So I I think of myself like that. It's like, I like to pump it out and there will be like certain segments of the stuff we come out with that'll resonate with some people and then certain segments will be with another. So like maybe the person who loves some like super psychedelic sticker that's like acid test base isn't the same person that's gonna love like the, you know the cute always grateful summer hat. But then I just I think in both of those realms, so then it kind of connects me with people across the spectrum or whatever. That is an interesting dichotomy among Grateful Dead and like just jam band people that I've come to know. And it's yeah, like, there's people that are in it in in the psychedelic realm. And then there is there are people who are able to resonate with it in a way that is not psychedelically based. And it's like they're just more into like the um, like my like my sister who's like twenty one. She has like the Dancing Bears phone case. Yes, and she like loves it, you know. And she she just got something from Levi's that's a Grateful Dead capsule piece, and it's yeah, it's cool. But like she's never done psychedelics. Yeah, but she can still find her way into it. And there's like a nice innocence there that the perspective brings. I I like that more. Yeah, than somebody who's like so. Almost like when somebody's so, so into it that they're now they're like a critic, right. not only of the music, but right. of the people, the people right. of how things are set up, of, you know, how that merch is or isn't or all. And so like you can almost get like too expert level because yeah. you get so obsessed with the band. You want to listen to all the songs. You want to listen to everything. You want to enjoy everything. We're like not being critical of like, OK, well, is this as good as that? Or, you know, that too much judgment comes in. Yeah. So the oh innocence God. of just a brand new non-psychedelic person they're just like a fresh clay pre-psych and they yeah because like you don't you want to stay in that psychedelic loving place not get spit on in the other end is like a jaded critic mm-hmm. of like yeah i remember when i did even better acid in 1995 and jerry was there and you were not even born and you know yeah, or whatever that. yeah yeah there is you know hanging last night at the phil show seeing you there it was like um it's like going back to school yeah. It was like seeing all your friends and it was it was that feeling and there was very little criticism. Yes. And but you had a really nice point about it where it was like the, you know, Phil's touring first post COVID tour 
and I asked what your thoughts were on it. And this was already after I had had, I've had two business meetings today on the phone. And they were like, I don't know how I feel about hmm. Phil's band. And these are people that, you know, work in the music business. Um, in terms of, um, not that you don't work in the music business, but they're managers and they're yeah, agents yeah. and they're, so it's like, they're not, they're not dealing with consumers directly as you are in mm. a certain way. They're mm. dealing with artists and they're dealing with promoters and they're dealing with, um, um, institutional players on it. And it's like, it's, it, I always find myself being more a consumer mm. than I am. And it's like, what you said about it was brilliant. So it was like Taylor Goldsmith from Dawes, Nikki Bloom. Uh, Phil's son, um, the drummer from Dawes, and then uh, some other guy who played slide guitar. I don't know his name. Yeah, yeah. What was his name? I'm not sure. He was good. No, I, I liked that segment. And he had a cool mustache. His mustache was <laughs> I love, awesome. Yeah. I love whenever like a band member has like one little quirky thing. Because then you can just like, there's like something, if you're like in a psychedelic <laughs> mode or you're like a little spun or tipsy or whatever, there's like something visually in the band oh. members to kind of connect with. Like, oh, that's like a funny little, th it's like a little inside joke with yourself. <laughs> I would say fill shoes for that for me. Mm, yes. Yeah, the orthotics. Like, boy, were those some thick soles. <laughs> and yeah. he's 81 years old. That's, that's the thing too, is he was so sharp and present. Mm -hmm. 81. Honestly, I was thinking, the thing I had said was like, oh, this sounded like a band that wasn't like, oh, I've dedicated my life to playing and learning the Grateful Dead music. It sounded like, here's a really skilled band that plays a different style, learning the Grateful Dead music, like finding where they fit in it, you know, doing, like even like China Cat Sunflower, there was like multiple like bars of music where he hadn't gotten to the thing. And that's a difficult thing to play. And so I was like, oh, is he just gonna like strum this? Can he not play that riff? Or and then they got into it and I was like, oh, he was like like we saw him finding his footing in the moment. And there is something really cool about that though. Like it you're not overly comfortable. Nobody was comfortable. And that's why I think Phil no was so was present and directing the band. Like he was like pointing at people. He was like I know. conducting. It was cool. And maybe that's not the best place to be forever, but I bet you that's fun for an 81-year-old guy to be like, I'm conducting fresh people in their embryonic stage, you know? Right. Like maybe the it's like the 68 version of a dead song may not be as technically good as the 77 version of that same song, but yeah. there's something where they're still figuring it out, and there is like magic in that. Oh, like not fade away is the best example. Yeah, like the the evolution of not fade away is just or like um love light. Yeah, it's like my God, like the evolution of those songs it, over the time. It's it's really something to behold, you know. And it's like the cover songs that they would do and seeing how those evolve over time is it's really fascinating, man. It's like, but that's so like I would never have thought of that perspective because like that you just mentioned. Like I would not have thought of that. Yeah, because I was up in the up with Pete and, and some friends of mine listening up, up top and we were just watching it. We weren't down on the ground level, mm -hmm. which I think was a mistake. I should have gotten down there. <laughs> and I went right up there in front of Phil. I kind of just like budged my way in. Oh, I, I felt kind of rude and I was like, you know, I'm just going to go there. Yeah. Like when am I ever going to stand this close to like this guy? That's it. He was right fucking there. <laughs> no, I was like, is this allowed? I couldn't believe it. Like it was almost like seeing a Madame Tussauds wax character. Like, he kind of, yeah. I mean, when you're like 81, you kind of almost look like you do look uh, caricature because you're like, you know, you're just that look. But like the idea that you had of like, 
Because I definitely had a couple thoughts where I was like, man, I wonder if he missed that. Yeah. Or like, I wonder if like that, like I can see them looking at each other, not knowing what's going on. Mm -hmm. Because cause you're so, you, when you play so many shows, you can just pick up on on body language cues that are so subtle. Yeah. And I was like, I could tell that they were really risking a lot. And mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. But like you found a lot of value and beauty in that. Yeah, because... So did I, but you picked up on it in a way that's way more intuitive than I did. I just think it was interesting too that like they're... I mean, they're a different, his backing band is a different band with their own songs that is like been practicing with him learning his songs. So it's actually very, what they were doing was actually very similar with what I was talking about, wanting an artist to be able to make something that I've already thought of piece by piece, but didn't have the skill for of like, so this band is literally going, okay, how much creative input? Well, you're not even like in the band. It's Phil and friends and the friends aren't even announced before we put the sales on date. So you're like, it's really Phil. You're right. just, yeah, it's just like the Phil show and they're coming in to like flesh out what he wants. And he picked them to be kind of like, it's, it's almost like the beach boys would always have different members out for different reasons, yeah. you know, mental illness or alcohol, whatever. Oh, Brian, right. And so they would just have to pick like stand-ins all the time. So I feel like that's what Phil's band was. It was like, Oh, you went and saw the beach boys, but like three of the five members were stand-ins and they all did a really good job, but they weren't like, is crisp or didn't know everything. But there was like, uh, it's kind of like what you said with the, the consumer vibe is there was almost like an innocence to their playing because they weren't overthinking of, oh, how would Jerry Garcia have played this in this time? Or how yeah. can I have this? So it was literally like, oh, here's like a Jerry Garcia lick kind of in kind a different of, tone than of. his tone because they didn't even try to recreate his tone. The tones were so different. It was like there was no reverb. It was way yeah. dry and it was like. That was what was so interesting about it though is because it really, you just heard Phil playing and I was like, okay, there's what I know. Yeah. Because you didn't, Nobody was playing like, oh, here's someone recreating the Bobby part and here's no. somebody recreating the Jerry part. It was like, no, oh, no, here's no. three guitarists just playing in the same key Sometimes as that over song. each other. Yeah. Dude, that was interesting too. There were several times where all three of those dudes, heads <laughs> down, <laughs> playing over each other, they didn't even know. It was like, that's so, that's so cool that Phil was like, because it really showed me like a fundamental, and I had this question, but it was like, Phil, I think fundamentally last night, showed us on an abstract level what Grateful Dead must have been hmm. when it first started, which is let's see what happens. Like, let's get these variables. Let's get these set up and just see what happens. And that seems to be way different than what Dead & Co. is. Because when you go and see Dead & Co., sure, they're improvising, but you know what's happening. Mm -hmm. Like, you know that China Cat's going to break down and go into, into I Know You Rider, right? And they're very rarely are they going to pull out crazy fingers. Yeah. Or are they going to go into... um. What was it that they went into Stella Blue from? Oh, they did it all. I can't think. Like, that was one I'd never seen. It was, like, Phil, like, fundamentally yes. showing you what the Grateful Dead, like, mission statement is. Yeah. He was like, I haven't ever seen that. He played, he, I mean, you know, he did Unbroken Chain, which is, like, his thing. Of now, course. But like, but, like. No boxer brain, though, which makes me sad. But he'll do I'm guessing, week. yeah, sometime this weekend. But he'll. I, I think that's what I, the thing I liked about it the most was one, I've seen Dark Star Orchestra, I've seen Dead & Co, I've seen uh, Bobby and Billy's different bands and whatever, but like the Phil set list was like fundamentally different in the like flow of the show to where it didn't feel like the same show flow as every other like Grateful Dead band. I haven't seen J-Rod yet, I heard they're amazing, but -Rod, yeah, man. I'm, I was supposed to see them last year, but then. Than COVID. Yeah. Yeah, COVID. Absolutely. So I'm seeing them in August. But yeah, so as of the bands I've seen, I felt like they it, Phil's band was very unique set list, unique song selection. His songs. <laughs> and the approach to it was re really cool. Like 
he was so easy going in between songs and like it was very fascinating man it was it was like my my friend turned to me he was like this is the closest thing you'll see to seeing jerry mm. is seeing phil play because he has a spirit of jerry kind of the, the way that jerry went about playing music and improvising interacting with others and bringing everybody up around him like you notice how how good of a leader he was yes. high-fiving everyone in between sets and like being really cool it's like that's a fascinating thing. I wonder why Phil didn't do Dead and Co. And it's like I wondered. So it was like, is it because it's more of a show than he wants it to be? I don't know. It's Maybe like, like, I was thinking like, oh, it might be the amount of dates. Like, because this year they're doing like thirty, but like they've done it where they only did like fifteen for yeah, a summer tour. Like that's not that crazy. Way cush. Like yeah. thirty dates even over three months, like they're doing this summer, is not. Maybe he just wants you know like, at, they all kind of want to have their own little band. You know, Isn't like Billy's cool? got his band. Billy's Bobby's bad, got man. his band. Yeah. Billy is bad. He looks good too. Like he had like lost weight. He had like was tan. He was like ready to roll. And he plays fast. Yeah. It's not dead and slow. It's like, I know. It's I know. like Bobby's the one that brings it down, I think. Well, if you see Wolf Bros, it's kind of slow too. Way slow, yeah. But I like it slow. I don't, no, yeah. I, slow. That's the thing though is like. What, Did you see Wolf Bros at Red Rocks? Yeah. I went. I. Went to Wolf Bros at Red Rocks both nights. That's why we made the Bobby is back close. This was a weird like synchronicity, and it sounds kind of stupid, but I, I thought it was interesting. Was I literally? I had the idea. I was in California, and I said, when they announce music, I want a shirt that says Bobby is back, and that'll just be the shirt. And so that was back in March when I was in Santa Monica um, with Richie, who he works out of this place called the Slingshot House in Santa Monica. What's that? Um, my friend does like a. He does like everything. He does like shirt printing for pro wrestlers and events and like, oh. like he's running like a big Las Vegas event in a couple weeks. So he just does a lot of stuff. And but his team, like like on bicycle day, I went to his space oh. and just like, he has like art all over the walls and I just got to like dose and then just like tell his team what bicycle I was thinking. Bicycle day is the invention of LSD, right? <laughs> for everyone who doesn't know. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming most people listening do know that, but they might not know. <laughs> yeah. So you went over to your friend's house, the the slingshot house. Yes. On the day of on bicycle day, yes. you're dosing, and then you printed this shirt. That's that's, that's when I came up with the whole lineup. So I said, hey, I'm gonna meet with the team, and they'll help me like flush out ideas. Like I'll be like, oh, here I have 20 pieces I want to do. What can we do to make like a clothing collection? Because before I just used to only do stickers and pins. So that was like very much in my mind. But now I'm like, oh, I want to do like fanny packs and like hats or like we did like Christmas wrapping paper with, you know, so those other items, I'll go and meet with them. And then we just like, I just was like, okay, here's all the things I'm thinking of. Like, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And he'll help me find all the clothes and get all that stuff. Um, with the Bobby is back, I was telling Richie, I was like, dude, I just really want to do Bobby is back. Bobby is back. Then when they announced that the Wolf Bros tour was coming, they had branded everything as Bobby Weir and the Wolf Bros. I saw that. And then he changed his Instagram name to Bobby. Yeah, And Bobby. I was like, oh, that's so weird because I had this merch, all this Bobby merch that I was just thinking of like, oh, it's like old 70s, 1970s Bobby used to go by Bobby. And then he switched his name back. It was like perfect timing for the shirt release. I was like, oh, Whoa. this is great. <laughs> he like switched all this stuff to Bobby, you know. There's something more friendly about Bobby than Bob. Yes. Especially with the like Yosemite Sam beard, it kind of makes you look like kind of like sad dog. Yeah. Rat dog. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But so that Bobby is like a much more endearing. Bobby is endearing. Because it's cute. Bobby. It's like Bobby is just like your little stepson. You know, he's sweet. He just comes over and like throws the baseball around with you. Or, or he's like your supremely wise. 
grandfather. Right. Yeah. Mm. Who who you can just call and on the first ring he picks up. Oh yeah, and you're you're like Robert the Third, but you call Grandpa Bobby and he's Robert there. The <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's so like what were your thoughts on seeing Billy and the kids? I loved it. I mean, I, I've been very lucky this year because everything was closed down. Yeah. Yeah, we've already, I, I've been over to like over 20 shows. My wife and baby have come. My wife and baby saw Billy Strings and me, but we did. I mean, jo- I love Billy Strings. He's really good. He's really good. He's really good. I hope they just give him like He's all way better than Bill Strings. Yes. Like that, See, was, that <laughs> maybe that's where Bobby Weir got it. He was like, you know, Billy Strings sounds way cooler than Bill Strings. Bobby Weir Billy sounds cooler than Bobby Weir. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe so. That'd Actually, be some funny. like marketing, probably some like marketing person got like, oh yeah, you know, wherever decided Bobby was the move. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it is. We're here. Yeah. <laughs> so the oh, but seeing I saw Bob at Red Rocks, and then I saw Billy and the kids at Red Rocks, and then now I just saw Phil. And wow. the, I think the thing that was fascinating was Billy and the Kids was the, like exact halfway of like the Phil band and the Bobby band because oh. the Phil band was like, okay, here's Phil and this whole new band and they're just figuring it out. The Bobby band was like, okay, we have an orchestra and so there's obviously not going to be a ton of improvisation because we have like cello parts and like tuba parts that are, you know, with like sheet music ready to go. Um, but it was like very beautiful and ornate, almost like how a Pink Floyd show is, where it's like, oh, it's a great live experience, but it's like very like set up, ready to go. But then the Billy and the Kids was like, oh, here's this like new band that are all getting to know each other, but they all infinitely knew the music. Right. So you're just hearing new players playing with each other, but playing stuff they all like know a ton of. Right. And Billy Strings on electric guitar was just cool. It is cool. I don't think it's his main thing. I think acoustic guitar is where he yeah, the, really the transcends, man. Like that's what no one else does. Well, he's he said he's really good. He said that that electric guitar he was using at the Red Rocks, his grandpa built in prison. Oh, what? built yeah. a guitar in prison, and I was <laughs> what? like, is, what? I was like, did they have like a machine shop at prison? Or I, I've never been to prison, so <laughs> I've never been to prison. So they're just making guitars there. Yeah, he made this guitar that he played. He's like, oh, my grandfather made this guitar that I played, and he made it in prison. That's so a here. fucking cool story. Electric guitar, though. Not even in a. It's not like he just got some wood together. It was like he got some like metal together. And like, where are you get, dude? Pickups are hard to make. Like guitar parts are hard to make. I've been through a lot of guitar factories, and there's. <clears throat> you have a lot of guitars. Yeah, I have a lot. You've been at this for a while. I've been playing guitar. I'm 26 now. I started playing guitar when I was 12. Whoa! And I started picking on the street when I was 14 for tips. And um, (laughs) we're right here in Broadway. Yeah, Broadway, Nashville. Have you been downtown? Yeah. Um, it's a different scene now than than what it was when I first started. As everything is always constantly changing and evolving in a beautiful way. Um. But now it's it's really interesting where there's like a lot of like um, pedal taverns mm. where it's like these people like driving around like bringing their own alcohol on the street. Oh and just like yes, yes, over yes. and like getting drunk, like, <laughs> running over street performers. Dude, really? It's like there's <laughs> oh, no. some there's a page on on Instagram called Broadway Uncensored, and it's like it's like it's like it's the worst of Broadway you can imagine. It's it's basically like have you heard of the phrase of uh, or the concept of like we always distill people down to their most stupid thing? Yes, like Bill Cosby will be forever remembered. Not for his great comedy or his amazing TV work, but the terrible shit that he did. Yes. Right? And it's like, and rightfully so, you know? Or who's the guy? Like, Dan, Dan, uh, fuck it, we'll do it live. Yes, uh, Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. It's like, (coughs) 
what a amazing career he had yes. to get to that place. We're, yes. we're just going to remember him for that one thing. Or there was that there was a guy when I was like a little kid um, who was running for president <laughs> named Howard Dean. And oh, yeah. like at one of his rallies, he did some like weird guffaw where he just like yep. made a noise that was like, yeah, or whatever. And then like, <laughs> because that went like viral on the news of him being like goofy, then it was like totally, it was like, oh, all the polls went down or like, it was like, it was really interesting to, that's what Billy Strings has right now. What? The opposite of that. He has the opposite of the like guffaw moment. Instead, he has the momentum oh. that, cause like I've been listening to him for a couple years now. And a couple years ago, I was like, oh, yeah, here's this, like, little side guy doing bluegrass, and it's really talented, and it's really cool. But sometimes people get, like, the rocket put on their back, what so to speak. What do you think speak. that is, the rocket? There, there are certain people that recognize talent that have, like, a taste. They're curators. Some, hopefully, these people are heads of labels and venues and things like that. Sometimes people that are heads of those don't have that curation, that taste. But just like there's the people who can, like, rate a restaurant or like a sommelier for wine they maybe don't make the wine or make the food they can taste it so if you have the right person at a record thing or whatever that can sense that then they can give the assistance because you know like like perception of people sometimes is reality in a lot of ways so like even like him doing getting to do the deja vu experiment with the dead thing where i was like okay cool this guy's not in the dead he's doing his own thing but he comes over and does so it's like right because it's hard and you have one dead song on your album which i think is like perfectly tasteful because what it does is it brings that over from people over there to listen to your music but it's not just making you oh here's like a second rate Grateful Dead or oh here's like a Grateful Dead cover band which has its place but he's been able to do that where it's like oh he can play some dead shows maybe throw in a song at his own shows but it's not you know oh here's the newest best dead cover band it's like oh he's doing his own own thing but is getting that kind of positive friction from kind of running with the Grateful Dead and being of that same spirit or whatever Man, I was thinking about that same thing it's like it's 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 really an interesting thing to see. And I think Pete Shapiro was behind both the Deja Vu concept. And that's the guy who was there yesterday? Yeah, Pete owns, uh, runs Relics. He runs Brooklyn yeah. Bowl, Cap Theater. So my, I have a friend named Daniel Shapiro who lives in New York. And I was oh. texting him yesterday and I said, Daniel, are you related to this guy? And he was like, oh, you mean this guy who like runs all this stuff? Like, And I was like, oh, I should know more about these things. But Oh, no, it's all right. <laughs> it's you know, You arrive at the knowledge when you're supposed to. You know, It's like... Yeah, Pete's the man. But I, man, it's, it is an interesting thing. It's like, I've been watching Billy for years. My career has been really interesting because I've watched, I've watched a lot of people start. Like, I watched Sturgill Simpson play to no one. Mm. Like, $5 cover charge. I saw Tyler Childers play a super tiny show in like 20, just in 2018. Yeah. It was him and in Coulter 18, Wall. Damn. Yeah, it was like 18 or 17. And it was literally like, me and my wife went and we were like, oh, it's it was literally just at like, a, place. a bar in Ohio. I was like, there's like 200 people here. What? And now both of those guys have like hundreds of thousands of followers oh, and yeah. like, you know, oh, yeah. whatever. It's weird how that shit happens. It's like, why? Like Margot Price, I've seen that. It's like, I'm yeah. seeing it with Billy too. It's like, it's interesting to see people's careers take off and why they do. And it's like, I know, you never know why, but you see when it happens. There is like a, uh, the person has to meet the opportunity. Oh. Because you see I won't name bands or anything like that, but like sometimes people get that push. They get the promo push. They get the right venue. They get the right opening to open for the right band. And they get that kind of push from, you know, the curators. Yeah. But then 
the people don't resonate with what's being pushed to them. Right. So the, the pushers of music or whatever put, hey, here's the 10 acts we want to, to get going. Right. But then maybe this one actually gets going. The other ones kind of go back down or whatever. So Billy's one of those rare ones that's like, oh, he's getting that pushed and he's going up with it. Whereas sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, remember when that band was really kind of big three years ago and now yeah. they're like, they yeah, like never met anymore. their moment or whatever. So that's the market. Like, there's it's kind of a gross word, but you could call it the market. Yeah, you could call that's it the fine. listeners, and you know, shakedown streak, uh, right. <laughs> corporate shakedown corporate streak. Shakedown <laughs> streak. <laughs> it's terrible um, on shakedown way. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. So it's like that's why I think the internet is the thing because mm -hmm. it's like yes. the people will tell you what they like and what they don't like. It, it'll it's, bypass it too. Like it'll bypass the money. Like that's the thing. Not to cut you off, but it's like. I see a lot of artists, man, that come to town that I'll be driving on 65 and I'll see a billboard for them. And then I'm like, that's a cool artist. And it's like, I go on Instagram, like they look cool and they have like a thousand followers, but they have a blue check mark. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, so you're, you're clearly on a label yes. that bought that, that's paying for this billboard and no one knows who you are. Yes. And so it's like, in the content's like not resonating. And so it's interesting, or like the songs aren't resonating, or like the videos aren't resonating, or like what you're saying isn't resonating. So it's like why some people resonate with others, I don't know. Yeah, because there doesn't seem to be like a hit, like a secret formula, because otherwise everyone would follow that formula. There, no you know, if there was just like some like, okay, here's how to make it, or here's how to... I just, there, there are like weird things at right times. So like... Yeah, bro. I mean, just like before COVID, I think we maybe had like... 6,000 Instagram followers. And now I think, now we have like 25,000 or something like that. So four times. Yeah, like in like X. a year, Yeah, which is unusual. But then there, like when I think back of like, oh, here were some specific happenings of like, oh, this person bought our stuff and shared it. Or like I had a weird run in with a guy named Greg who was like over Burton Snowboards and does that Camp High Collective thing. So I ran into oh, that guy and he does those cool dye outfits and he's like friends with, all these people and whatever. So I ran into that guy and I was like, oh my God, I know you. Let me give you some of my stickers. Yeah. I gave him my stickers. We chatted a bit. He was with his wife. I didn't want to bother him much. Yeah. Gave him some stickers. Knew he was a deadhead. Then like a couple hours later, I am tagged in like their post and they have like hundreds of thousands of followers yeah. and I'm tagged in their post and it's like, oh, hey, um, you know, this was nice to meet this Holy Moly Mischief guy, you know, check out his little stickers or whatever. And so that, then like that happened. And I was like, oh, I had a significant like bump. And then like, oh, like shortly after that, like some NBA player who followed him, like messaged me. He was like, oh, I like your stuff. And then like, it kind of, there were a couple of moments like that where people that aren't just like, I'm meeting in the parking lots. Like that's a lot of the people that follow us. It's like right. who I met in person right. in the parking lot. I gave a free sticker to, right. and then they go, oh my God, I got your free sticker. And I found you on Instagram and now we're buddies. Right. That's a, the big bulk of it. But then there are those like little bumps where like, oh, somebody sees you on there and there's that positive association, you know? It's like, in like I, I always try to be, like think about like, what is really the thing though that like makes somebody like, like, like take the transaction to message you or to like you on Instagram or to come seek you out in the lot and like, and beat you. It's like, dude, I think it's the fact that you, you're being truthfully who you are mm. and you're, and that's transcending through your work. Mm. And yeah. it's like, that's a hard thing to do by the way. But like your stuff has a feel. Yeah. Like your stuff has a feel to it. That's what's so weird too is I've had pieces where like, oh, I had, oh, this visual artist finished this poster for me uh, that I couldn't finish. Or, oh, this person that's a different artist helped me clean up this one and bring it to life. Ah. But then even though technically yeah. you had two different collaborators that are totally different artists 
it still ends up being in the same voice, like my voice or whatever, which is very um, cool. It's very strange. Um, still, strange. it's very, it always feels strange. Like, yeah, it's just very strange. I just, the thing I like the most though of making stuff is the connection point. Like I just went and had lunch with this couple. Well, we didn't end up eating anything because I just went, I stopped by their house and then I went into their living room and they had all my stickers all over their fridge. Oh, and shit. I was like, holy shit. And they had stickers that I had done like three years ago. And I was like, fuck, you guys have known my little art for like three years. And now we're just meeting for the very first time. And they're like, oh, we already know you, you know, sort of thing. And it was, but it feels like it doesn't seem insincere. Like you actually do just feel like, oh, there's these little like pieces. It's like if you went to someone's house and they had your record on, oh, yeah. on the player in their living room, and not because they knew you were coming over, but you just stopped by and they're like listening oh, yeah. to your music. You're just like, oh wow, you resonate with me. Oh yeah. That's very, that's like what does it for me. Like I don't care about like uh, many things, but like right. that social connection. Yeah. I like live for that. That gets me like high. <laughs> it totally gets you high. Yeah, absolutely yeah. it does. It's bringing value to other people through the things that you create in life. And it's like, there is nothing better than that, man. Or there's, maybe there is. Like having a family might be pretty good. But like, yeah. Or, you know, things like that. But that's a really good part of life. And it's like, it happened last night when we were, um, my friend and I were getting a burger afterwards. And these people pull out of an Uber. And uh, they were just on their, uh, it was like this guy and like his friends. And they were... Uh, in town for a bachelor party, and they're like Daniel fucking Donato. Yes, like but the thing was the Uber had the music playing. Yeah, in the door, yes. with my music, and it was like, that's so odd. That's, no, but it's it's it, you feel like you shouldn't like that. Yeah, because you feel like oh is that like conceited or is no, that vain? It's not. But it's not, dude. It literally is so nice because, mm -hmm. you know, you finally like open up yourself enough to share parts of yourself. Of course, like a lot of people never are able to get their whatever trauma, whatever happened, they never end up just getting to open up and like want to present themselves to anybody or that's just not their desire. But if you're like an artist type and you want to just open up and like share your stuff with the world, then somebody's like, oh my gosh, you're the guy who opened up his heart and shared your stuff and I love it. Yeah. And it's playing in my car. Right. That's powerful. That's very powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's like, I think if you, if you think about it in one draft, right? So you have three drafts. Mm -hmm. The first draft, you might say that's conceited. And it's like, n no, like really you want to think about like how much importance do you place on the approval of others on yourself? Mm -hmm. It's like, you want to be careful about that, you know, but there's certainly nothing wrong with placing importance yeah. on bringing value to other people. Yes. Right. And it's like, that's really the thing that fucking matters. I mm -hmm. think it's like, so I don't know, you know, I, I, I definitely, you know, growing up in the South, there's a lot of people that say, go get a normal job. There's yeah. a lot of people that say, go work at Geico. Or, you know, do that's what I, I just like, stopped working a normal job like three months ago. No shit. What are yeah. you doing? I was working at Tesla. As what? I was doing like paperwork for okay. like car. Nothing that cool. Just like. You weren't an engineer. You were no, no. I didn't like invent the car or like send yeah. it to space or anything like that. No, oh, I just shit. like did like back end work, like financial stuff. I love Tesla. It's my dream to own a oh, Tesla really? truck, man. Yeah. My friend what runs the desired? Tesla natural store, so. Yeah, you're Scott Phillips. Something. What's up? Yeah, Scott does. <laughs> He's a cool guy. He used to have super long dreadlocks too when we first were friends. <laughs> not it, not anymore. Not anymore. But now, yeah, he lives. He lives there and uh, works at that Tesla store. But yeah, that the Cybertruck is cool. Cybertruck is unreal. It's the most cosmic country vehicle there's ever been. Yeah, I just left. Like I left in March, and I was like, you know what? It's time. We do fine. I don't. I want to be. I have a baby. I have a wife. I was like, you have another one on the way too. Another right? one. Yep. Yeah. And I have another baby coming. And I was like, you know what? Like. Even if I have to go back to a desk job 
two years from now, I still want these two years of not doing that and being able to go to shows and like wake up in the morning, go to the playground with my baby. Like the amount of dads that get to just like, oh yeah, I woke up, get to go to the playground with my baby, go get coffee and then like come back at like noon. And work. And yeah, and I've already spent like a significant amount of time with my baby. I'm like, oh, that's gonna like, I could tell even in the time since I've been home of like how much more of a connection we had just because we had more time. And so I was like, oh, a lot of people like don't get that time. They're just, it's, they can't afford to or whatever. So I was like, oh, I need to like, use this opportunity to like focus on the art. And then we ended up traveling like all over the country, went to 15 national parks. What? Yeah. You guys driving the truck? Yeah. Well, not uh, our other truck. We literally, yeah, me and my wife and baby in March. I had my last day at Tesla on March 12th. Literally Mar- the day before the pandemic was a national state of emergency. <laughs> and then, oh, really? It started on the 13th. And then we went to... Which is ironic. Then we went to California and we, and we stopped everywhere along the way. So we did... Holy shit. We did like from Ohio to California, we did Holy 15 shit. national parks. It's a long drive. My baby did the whole thing. It was great. We did all the ones in Utah, like yeah, Zion. What are you giving your baby? Fucking. She's awesome. Ketamine? <laughs> no, she's just like super happy. What's crazy, dude? She did like 70 hours in the car total. And we never even gave her like an iPad or anything. She was just like singing along, hanging out. What? It's crazy. She can like sing too. Like. I like will play like carry me that new John Mayer song carry me away and she can literally sing along to it She's like not even two yet. It's weird Whoa, yeah, she's very smart like musically. It's cool. What do you think about the fact that a child? My my ten-year-old sister sings a song she doesn't know and she always has yeah She doesn't even know the words, but she'll sing the melody Mm -hmm. and so it's like we're when a child does that like they're like they're partaking in the contract that music communicates with us in ways that's not word based. Yes, it's like it's just sounds. Like what the fuck's a sound? Like what's what is a word more than a symbol of a sound? Yeah, it's like when I say the word vibe, you don't really know what vibe. Yeah, is. exactly. You can't like write down like what vibe means. It's like so. It's like these sounds that we just make from our fucking faces that mean things to people. And it's like. It's such a, <laughs> It is weird. It's so strange on the fundamental level. It's really, it's really interesting. What is so funny about that too is like, I think that's one of the things that's weird when you like categorize everything. Like, let's say if you were going on like, you know, eHarmony to like date somebody, you might write in like all the things you think you want and all the things you don't want on on like a list. But like all of the things that like when you meet somebody that either like draw you to them. They're always these like, uh, like sometimes you might be like, oh, that person's like really terrible or something like that. But like in general, it's like, oh, you either just kind of like vibe with that person right. and it's natural right. or it's not as natural. And it doesn't mean you're not going to be nice, but you just might not like seek that out. But there are people who you just naturally vibe with and you don't even know like, well, what on the list is good or bad that I like or I don't know. You're just like, there's just certain people you just connect with. And so it's very, that's how everything is, I feel like in life. Yeah, it really is. It's like not the formula. It's just like the, you know, you might meet a hundred people today and like one of them is the person that you're actually going to vibe with, you know? I think ideas are like that too. I think like the Bob, mm. Bob Weir and Bob was the first person I heard that said this, but I've heard several other brilliant people say it as well, that ideas are other forms of life hmm. that come in, and speak to us and communicate through us. Ooh. It's really <laughs> Dude, That's deep. It's very, yeah, it's like, you know, and I'm sure the level that he can expound on, it's way deeper, mm-hmm. you know, than, 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 of course, I can go. But it's like, yeah, it's like essentially like, you know, you meet people that you vibe with, you probably meet a lot of ideas that you don't vibe with. Mm. And it's like, whoa, that's a cool way. 
And to, the thing that's interesting about both ideas and people is like not every idea you have or every person you meet is meant to be there or like interesting. be there forever. Right. Like the forever thing is a weird one. Yeah. Cause it's like almost like, well, if, if you're my friend today, well, what if we're not friends 10 years from now? But okay. it's like, that's okay. Yeah. And like, or like if you had a friend that was like, oh, we haven't kept in touch. They live in a different place. It's like, well, it doesn't invalidate that you were true friends. You just can't keep in touch with everyone you've li- ever met on tour or, you know, like if you were just having to text every musician you ever played with or every friend you ever made, it would just, that'd be your whole life. Here's the thing too. It's like, I'll get texts from people that will be like, oh man, so stoked to see you're coming to uh, Asheville. And it's like, it'll be a number I didn't have saved. And it's like, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, who is this? Yes. Because I don't know. Yeah. And, they're, and they get mad at me. Oh yeah. And it's like, man, I'm sorry. Like I... You know, but it's like you can actually like psychologists have proven like you can only remember 150 names. Yeah, you can only. Yeah, that's how many. Like fuck. How many people you can giving me five thousand Facebook friends? No, exactly, exactly. Five thousand people. (laughs) You can't do that. Oh no, exactly. Especially too. I mean, you create music where like people feel like you know any art like that. It's like people feel like they know you. They fall, especially, you know, you do content, you make podcasts, you make yourself available. I love being known. I like yeah. talking to people. I'm no, exactly. So and do you, I can tell No, oh yeah, I love that. The thing that's funny about it is like, then you, you already exist in someone's reality before you even meet them. And then you meet them right. and it's almost weird for them at first because they're like bringing to grips this idea they had of you from, you know, the Instagram videos. And then now here's the real you in front of them and you're just, they're just like, oh, hey. That's a weird one for me to handle. Yeah. And I, man, I, I, you don't want to let people down or you don't, you know, like, Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't. The thing that, that's where Anthony DeMeo really helps me. Yeah. Um, it's the idea of a projection an ideal of you exists, mm. you know? And then, and the reason that that's true is because it's like the way you think of yourself mm. is the way you think of yourself. It's not the way your mom thinks of you. Yeah. It's not the way your wife thinks of you. It's like you have a version of yourself that only you have. And so it's like for every person that interacts with you, there's that many versions of you yes. that are legitimate. And they, and they may have like 0.2% of a sliver of, of you. Of the truth. Right? Yeah, but it, like it's kind of like what you said when people are only known for their bad thing or like they hmm. might just know that one bad sliver or that one good sliver. And like, no oh, yeah, sliver. like, oh, like you might have just been like coming out of a, you know, restaurant after a show totally tired some person comes up and is like hey daniel donato and you're kind of just like hey and don't give them the full like experience you might give on you know if you had just woken up and had your coffee and whatever yeah. and so that one person might be like oh that guy was an idiot or like yeah, another fuck, person be like that was the best person i've guy. ever met yeah <laughs> you know i'm always surprised to hear how like um how people think of and I think about this too when I meet people. Like I was very happy to have met you and to see how extroverted you were. And like, because I like when I meet somebody and their creations make sense. Hmm. Like a lot of the times when it's really good work, you can see that it's an over. Their creations are an overflow of themselves. Hmm. It's like meeting you. I can totally see how like hmm. you would have all these like abstract designs that have all these colors and shapes and lack of coordination that somehow creates a coordination. Yes. You know, that- and it's like the handwritten always grateful it's like the yeah fact that you're saying you know art fits within a frame which is something that's symmetrical but the shit that's going to be inside is not <laughs> and like that's really cool and i yeah. think that's what grateful dead music is in, in a certain essence yeah and so it's like if you take away the musical identity from it and you just take that spirit your art is grateful dead like that's what is so thank you yeah like I it is like that. the hat 
is Grateful Dead-ish to me. That's what's so funny about it. It's because I purposely, like a year ago, when our page started getting kind of bigger, I was like, oh, I really probably shouldn't use like Steely or Bears Mm because I'm not like licensed or whatever. So yeah. So I was like, I should probably not use that stuff. So then like all of 2021, I haven't done like Steely stuff or Bears stuff, but it's all like Grateful Dead stuff without using any of the like iconography. So I was like, Oh, it's almost like trying to write. Yeah. It'd be like if like a Christian guy was trying to write a book, but he couldn't use the Bible or something (laughs) as like a visual artist. I'm like, okay, I want to write a book about the Grateful Dead, but I can't use any of the, the source material, but I, it's brought a lot out of me though. That's even like why we drew our own little skull with the flowers that's red, white, and blue, you know, cause it was like our own, here's our, like our own steely that nobody could take away or like it's ours, you know, it's not subject to copyright law or something. Yeah. Are you familiar with Virgil Abloh? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, like the guy who's over menswear for Gucci or no Louis Vuitton. Yeah. Sorry. No, I don't. (laughs) He did the album artwork for West side gun, which is a really interesting. Really? Yeah, the the Pray for Paris album, which is really yeah. So Virgil did the the album artwork layout and stuff for it, oh. and I that's like my favorite hip hop artist. I love him. Really? Do you like hip hop? Yes. Hip-hop? Yeah, I grew up. That was what I grew up. I grew up like thirty minutes outside of Chicago. So like, oh. I grew up like buying like Master P and like I had like a Fubu jersey as like an elementary school kid. <laughs> Dude, I was uh, like Dave and John. That's so funny. It's like um, <laughs> uh, do like um. G unit, remember G unit? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that was like in like middle school. I was like (laughs) urban. I was like I love hip hop. Like that was my thing. Oh, me too. How how couldn't you? Yeah, man. Middle school for me was when Kanye West dropped um um graduation. Yeah, and it was like whoa, like yeah, grave shift, like graveyard shift or like spaceship, whatever it is. Like oh my god, like that's forever. It broke my Apple earphones. Yeah, how loud the eight oh eights were. Like it broke my ear. I love, yeah, I love Kanye. I love, I love all that. Kanye's freaky. Like he's not even a human. Like he's like he's human, but he's he's so not in like the way he operates. You know what he's like. He he has like the, the dream for somebody that gets a tons of ideas because he obviously is a huge idea person. He has clothes. He has, you know, he does so many things multiple brands he's overseeing the gap now he's got his shoe company he still produces records and like produced um little nas x next single it's like what's the deal there yeah so he's prolific to say the least but he since he's so he made his name now he can plug in like everyone that he like wants to hire so he like he looks at like Instagram or whatever and goes, okay, who's putting together the best color palettes on Instagram? Oh, I'm going to hire that person. Now they're my team. Oh, who's making my favorite beats? Who's doing my favorite rhymes? Boom. They're my writer now. Boom. And so he gets to bring all of these other like small geniuses under himself and like they lift him up too. So it like that collab, it's that collaboration of sorts of like, even though he's a genius, he's not relying on himself. He's recognizing, Hey, I'm just like anyone else. I'm viable to get out of touch or whatever. I he is actively seeking out the best people to always collaborate with. Collaborations key, man. Yeah, it's like if you every, anytime you can collaborate with somebody that's either gonna let you, you know, yeah, uh, they'll take you higher, yeah. or you can bring someone else up higher right, right. as well. Like, oh, hey, here's like we had a friend who's like 18, and I was like, he was really good at drawing. I was like, dude, you should draw something for me, and like we'll do a design, you know. And so I was like, okay, we're gonna do that, you know. 
stuff like that wow. to where it's like, oh, there's people who you can help along the way and there's people who can help you along the way. Always. And if you're always, you know, helping people along the way, I feel like other people that can help you will. There is a reciprocate, like, um, there is a kind of this reciprocating essence to what, like, reality has for us where it's like, because, like, love seems to be a self-giving mm. thing. Like, where it's like, um, love is love. And so it's like, what you do is what you do. Like, like the candle doesn't just burn just for me and you. Mm-hmm. Like it would burn even if the serial killer was in here. Right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, it's doing what it does. Yes, it's like we do love. Like that's the, that's part of the way we navigate and create our own realities is like through the process and action of love, which is hopefully trying to just see as plainly as you can. And man, I think it's like collaboration, helping other people. It's like the more that you can help other people, you're actually helping yourself because you are no different than other people. Mm, yeah, it's like really. It's like if you're, your ego it, is it. It's kind of like when all the boats, it's like if the tide rises for one boat, it's all the boats are going to go up, you know? It's like the water levels affect this all sort of thing. So it's like whoever you have like on your team or in your sphere of like, or even just the, being around ideas that inspire you. Like oh yeah, my best buddy, uh, Jonathan's his name, he runs the like slingshot house thing. He was doing like merchandising, like living in LA, not having a day job. And like when we first met and I was like, you know, working at Tesla and like had like day job life, you know? And I was like, wait, how can you afford to live in LA and like yeah. follow your dreams and just do your own little company thing? Like yeah. I didn't have like a grid for that. Like I thought that I was like past being able to do that or something. Which but was like, not true as a projection you had. Exactly. Right. And, and, and But like other people doing well can either like make you like a jealous weirdo yeah. or it can give you like a blueprint of how you can like, oh wow, it like shows you that it's possible. Yeah, that's the thing, too, is, like, if you're a person who is succeeding and people come up and talk to you, it's like, you know, first of all, whatever your perception of succeeding is, because there's yeah. already somebody who's always doing better. Yeah. But it's like, do not mistake your luck for your, for your, for your, um, for your skill. Yeah. It's like, the reason why you're successful is also based on luck. And so you should always be trying to curate and invest in more luck happening. And a great way to do that <laughs> yeah. is to help others. Yes. And it's like, just help. Like, it's so interesting, like some of the things we've talked about here today, like in the, the thing that's coming to my mind the most is like the art of col- egoless collaboration mm. of like Bill Kreutzman and Billy Strings and, and, and uh, the, you know, Tom, who's from uh, J-Rod, mm-hmm. playing guitar, um, or Phil, bringing only guys from Dawes, or like yeah. you working with your friends who give you business blueprints or people who are beneath you. It's like the Virgil thing, though, is like Virgil had this idea where he goes, if you have an idea that's inspired by something, which is the only way you're going to have a good idea, that's mm-hmm. inspired by another one, is that you take that very thing that inspired you and you modify it 3%. Mm. And therefore, there's your next creation. Yeah. And so the thing that you've done with those pins, I saw it last night. I was like, oh, there's the 3% rule again. It was like walking into Brooklyn Bowl and everyone had the holy moly mischief pins on there. Yeah. Their fucking shirts, which is so cool. I was like, there's Tony. But it's, I, it's not Tony, but it's Tony. Yeah. Like on a pin. And um, I was like, oh. He just took this kind of iconography, whatever it is, and just modified it 3%. Yeah. A little. And he just made it you. Yeah. It's like, that's a brilliant way Mm. to like go about creating, man. So you're probably doing that intuitively, but I wanted to put it out there in the case that you were not aware of the way Virgil goes about that. But it's like, if you look at the the, the 10, the collection, it's basically just like a a Jordan 1, Mm -hmm. but it's just like modified basically 3%. It's like, but God, is that 3% revolutionary? Yeah. Like it changed everything. That's, yeah, it's like rather than trying to like reinvent the wheel, you just make the wheel a little better or a little, a little, a little, a little bit different. further than you yeah. were before. Yeah, just like, 
That's that's what I feel like is always so cool about the dead, though, is one, even if you just say the Grateful Dead, there are so many different variations of the band, so many different sounds. Which dead? That's the thing is when people yeah. ask me, what, what, where, where do I listen to the Grateful Dead? I'm like, well, which one do you want to listen yes. to? Yes. So it's like multiple bands, all, you know, all these people. And so I think that's what's interesting, too, is in our community, because the Grateful Dead as a band was one that was very spontaneous, collaborative, giving, not, you know, there's that interview with like Jerry Garcia and they're asking him how he feels about the tapers. He's like, well, what are we going to do? Send the cops out to arrest them? Like that seems, yeah, like that seems insane. Like that seems not like us. We're done with it. Let them have it. Yeah. It's like, that was the best thing I've ever heard. Yes. And like when you have that mindset, I feel like it's the perfect place to be a creator within. Cause like if you're like a total jerk, you're not going to like make it very long because nobody's going to want to vibe with being a total jerk. So I feel like everyone I meet, I'm like, oh, you've been like a deadhead and like making art in this community for a long time. It's always like a great time. It's always nice because it's like it draws certain people. Like there's some spiritual element to the music or something. Oh, yeah. That like just draws certain people to it. And they're beautiful people. There's a lot of beautiful people. That was the thing I was noticing last night. It's like, a lot of egolessness, man. I think it might have to do with the psychedelic influence. It's like, because genu- like genuinely that seems to be like the gradient sliding scale. It's like the less egoless you are or the more egoless you are, probably the more psychedelic experience you've had. Mm. And so it's like, maybe that's part of it. And that's why the music can live on in such a real fucking way. Mm. But it's like, it's ultimately the most egoless music because it lives on without even all the members playing the song. Yes. Like you couldn't go see like, Charlie Watson friends play the Rolling Stones. Yes. Like, it wouldn't be good. It would be so strange. Like, you're going to get a guy that, like, moves like Mick Jagger that's my age? No. Yeah. It's like, fuck yeah, you're going to go see Phil and I know, that is really weird, like, how the band partitions itself into little, like, segments and, like, can do little solo acts that are just also dead music. Yeah. (laughs) It's, like, just as valid, too. Yeah. It's, like, such a weird... It's way more than music. Yeah, it's way more than that. Well, also like there's there. I can't even think of any bands where it's like like there is legitimately like dozens of people who make a living playing dead songs, covering another band. Oh, yeah. And that's their job. And like, I don't know of any other band or any other like there might be like an Elvis impersonator in Vegas. But like there's not like there's nothing like these dead cover bands are like there. There's a lot of people that do make a living covering other bands but it's a cover yes and so it's like great example is like you'll see a lot too like i guarantee you like go and check out like your local venue at you in your like town that has like 300 500 people mm-hmm. cap. it's like most of those acts on the calendar or like beatles night yes yeah, yeah the fab night. fabulous four it's or, you know a, it's always a play on the fab <laughs> yeah i would have, i've been wanting to do something and i'm sure it's been taken but fab ph <laughs> Yes. It's like, let's jam on the Beatles. <laughs> yes. It's like, that'd be really fun. Like, like jam on Norwegian wood. Like, come on. Yes. Um, but yeah, you'll see that. would be like 80s night. And I'll be like them only doing Metallica. I'll be like only Cyndi Lauper. Like, things yes. like that. But it's like, they're actually trying to be those people. Yes. They're trying to like dress up like them. And yeah. It's like, it's hey, like an act. What are you going to do? Dress like Jerry and wear a black t-shirt? And like a chubby suit. or yeah, like, In, in yeah. the red Air Max 90s. Yes. Yes. With white pants. Biggest flex I've ever seen. Yes. What? That's the thing, though, is like when people come in, like it's not like they're trying to be like, oh, like John Mayer doesn't come in and like try to dress as Jerry Garcia. No. Or you know what I mean? It's so it's not a recreation. It's like a continuation. You oh, know what I mean? Like they're not. Yeah. They're trying to like be like, oh, what can we add to the conversation? 
not just, oh, how can we do our best job to, you know, be a, you know, half as good as the Beatles trying to be just as good as the Beatles. Instead of that, it's like, oh, here we're going to like add our own little thing to the convo. And I like that. It's egoless, man. Yeah. Well, even just like, you know, people will like hate on Mare for whatever reason whatever valid or invalid whatever yeah. but like the idea that he literally just had like the number one album still freaking crazy. and is like crushing and like you know as a solo artist that he's just willing to be like okay i'm gonna come into this band where everyone else is in the band and i'm gonna like literally try to play like some other guy and not overstep and not right. put my like i'm just gonna try to come in here and like serve as like a little service Yes. Yeah, like, oh, I'm just going to like hold the tray while you guys all get to eat the snacks off the tray. And I'm just going to be here and like do my job. And yeah. obviously he draws a ton of people in. But like, I feel like the way he's joined the band is very like egoless for somebody that should, they could rightly have like a giant ego if they wanted to. Oh, yeah. Just be like, yeah, I'm the, the man. Like, of course, we're going to do Bodies in Wonderland after set one and, you know, do yeah. <laughs> like whatever. You would absolutely like to say, I think it's. It's not like, I think with someone who's that developed, I think it's the incorporation of their ego is, mm. is a way to look at it because it's like, um, you have to have some ego to think that you can do that role. Yes. Like, yeah. You have to. You, like, otherwise, you'd have to be quite confident. Yeah, right. Which, in terms of grandeur too, because like this band's been around longer than you've been alive. Mm. Like years longer. So it's like, they're actually already broken up once before you were alive. So it's like, that's interesting. They already had a number one song out, two of them, you know? So it's yeah. like very, but it's like, how do you incorporate that ego? I feel like that's where artists really start to transcend is like where they, they have all this confidence and they have ego, but they can incorporate it where it fits, mm. you know? It's like they're confident in their designs and they're confident in their sounds, whatever it is, but then they're egoless in terms of maybe the way they execute it or the way that they get it out into the world. Yeah. Mayor's like, if you really think about it, there's no one who's ever done what he does. Like there's no one. It's wild. It's like it's seeing a this the first time it's been done. Like that's a weird thing to like think of. Like we've yeah. seen a lot of things like that. It is so funny too. Like okay. how iconic Cherry Garcia is. It's hard to imagine another band. Like it'd be like if Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin had died and then they got somebody else. And it was, like it'd yeah. be very hard to imagine. You couldn't. Uh, but somehow, Jerry Garcia even being like one of the most iconic, like it'd be like if the Jimi Hendrix experience after Jimi Hendrix died still yeah. was called the Jimi Hendrix experience but had a different guy. You'd here's be like, Kevin. oh, yeah, <laughs> here's, you know, the Kevin, you know, Hendrix experience or whatever. Yeah. And like that wouldn't happen. But Jerry Garcia's on that same like Mount Rushmore of like just all time best ever. Mm-hmm. Yet somehow he's been able to come in and like fill this role and done a nice job. He's done a nice job, and I think that's where it is. And then people, <laughs> people would, because you, know, you know, there's gonna be a lot of people that'd be like, "Well, he's no Jerry." It's like, well, Jerry wouldn't want to hear that. Yeah, that's not very zen. It's like you can't hold on to the ego of an identity of somebody forever. The music has to live on. Yeah, and it has to move. And it's like easier said than done. But man, I, I Mayor's the fucking, he's the man in my opinion. He's my favorite. What do you think will happen? Like. This is not to be like yeah, sad or something, but like Bobby. Yeah, like after, because yeah. that's the thing. I when I I go yeah, see Bobby, I don't care I about that, what yeah. the band is, a house load, whatever. It's like Bobby yeah. is the last like singer from you know. It's like his voice, man, is the voice I think of when I think of like half the Dead catalog. Of course, all those songs of J.P. Barlow and stuff. And so when he's no longer singing 
live, I'm like, oh, that voice would be on. Like, yeah, people will be able to like recreate things musically on instruments, but I'm like, oh, hearing that guy's voice with the music will one day not be there or whatever. So I'm like, oh, I wonder what will happen, like what the scene will be like in, you know, whenever he stops playing and maybe he won't stop playing for like 20 more years. So I don't have to think about it. He might. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's say like five years from now, I'm like, oh, where are like all these deadheads that aren't like fish people? Where are they going to be all meeting? Like, where are all the people that I just met at the Phil and Friends show going to be in Nashville five years from now so that I can reconnect with them around this music? Like, wow, where really? who are going to be those acts? Or, you know, yeah, is it going to be a different act? Or is it going to be a great dead cover band supergroup with Daniel Donato and John Mayer and O'Teal? Wow. <laughs> Whoa, man, that'd be wild. <laughs> That'd be a that'd be a glitch in the simulation. Yes, that'd be like the rocket, you know, getting the rocket on your back. It'd be just like, hey, that'd be one of them. Boom. Yeah, man, that really would. My God, <laughs> the rocket on your back, the golden rocket. Yes. That's a good song if you ever get a chance to check it out by Hank Snow. Oh, really? Yeah. Man. You know what they they should do? Is... I think it'd be um, I think it'd be a thing where they take time off and then mm-hmm. something else comes from yeah. it. You yeah. You don't think they'll do like a remember? This might be before your time even, but I was very small. Limp Biscuit was replacing their guitar player with a competition through Guitar Center. Oh, yeah. And so they literally had like oh, yeah. kids I knew in middle school are bringing up their, you know, Squire Stratocaster and their little amp and are like, I am trying out for Limp Biscuit at the, you know, local Indiana Guitar Center or whatever. Holy hell. You know what I mean? So like that, I, I think that's probably the only time that's happened where a band that was that big at the time was like, you know, what? we're going to have a... A guitar center tryout. Yeah, that's definitely what they'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine like somebody gets in their ear that that's a great idea. Like, yeah. look, guys, it's going to be great for marketing. It's guitar yeah. center. Like there's going to be a steely on it. And Meet boom. us in the lot. See you all <laughs> yes. there. Bring your own amp. <laughs> I, I just love that concept though of like, oh, it's like some random person off the street that just shreds that guitar could just like show up and join the band somehow. It's very democratic and Jerry would like that. <laughs> it would be so funny though because obviously there's there's one thing to be able to play an instrument but to do it you know in front of a huge audience or whatever it's just the idea that they even did that was really funny to me. That is funny as hell. I, I like man I think it'd be a thing where they take, they take time you know yeah. it's like but God can you, I like I think about that whenever I see Bob and I don't like that I think about his mortality but it's like he really is my biggest hero musically, man. Because yeah. like, his lyrics and his character, like mm. he just is such a winner. Yes, he re- and he's just a lighthouse for everyone. It's just like, and he's like super like stable. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like, he's like. I mean, he's got like a wife and kids. He's buff. He's buff. He's exercising. Yeah, he's driving a Tesla. Yeah, he's fine. He's he's got a hat now. <laughs> a poncho. Yeah, the poncho is bad to the bone. <laughs> the poncho. See, there's ego. Like that's a guy with an ego. Like, if gotta like, have a poncho. Yeah, hey, I, I I'm gonna go play for nine thousand people. Bring me my poncho real quick. Like that's an ego. Yeah. Like, and that's not bad. No. Like, that's definitely an ego. I'm gonna wear a poncho. I love I love when <laughs> acts get like a signature outfit piece. Like, Come oh, so and so has the certain cowboy hat, and that's the you know Hank Williams hat or you know yeah, whatever you know. Bob's kind of got the poncho and the cowboy hat as like his latter year like look, kind of like how the the pinkish purplish polo and the short shorts were for the eighties. This is like his new look. What, what's your look? Do you have a look you're wanting to do? Do you have a, 
Are you gonna do? I'm starting with it. Suede pants or? Wow. <laughs> what? what you could, you, eventually, people will tell you like have to do that or something. Is that how it works? I don't know. <laughs> I, I I know that like so like you're talking about things that stay the same. Yeah, like, like some like out, I feel like they like after a certain level of success, they want you to have like a specific outfit that yeah. people can know you for. Like so you can be an prince archetype. and you can be a purple you know yeah. latex guy or whatever. Holy hell, that's crazy. <laughs> I'm not that imaginative in my aesthetic <laughs> to that degree. That would be wild. <laughs> It'd be so funny. I do have things like, I do keep things similar. Where like, I do like selvage jeans, like, yes. like Japanese denim. Okay. Um, I love tie-dye shirts. And I love playing like one guitar. Mm. I have like one, like you see how many guitars I have. And I have way more. Yeah, there's like 20 just in here. It's like, it, I play one though. Yeah. And cool, so then I, that, that'll become like your guitar. Right. So I feel like guitar players are different where they have like, yeah. like Jerry, like, of course, the sweatpants were a flex, but they, it's not like he was wearing Fear of God sweatpants. Yeah, nobody, yeah, nobody really cared about his outfit Not in the day. Much. Jerry was off in the sweatpants era and the joggers era by 20 years. Yes. Like, if he was around now, he'd be straight flexing with some Balenciaga sweats. Yes, like, yes. He just has, like, some, like, chunky Balenciaga shoes, some sweats. Yeah, some Fendi. What would have been really hilarious is, like, if he had just stayed healthy and then, like, them coming into the late 90s and the early 2000s of, like, what different collaborations with like hip hop groups or like new metal bands or like the marketing potential of like a Grateful Dead Slipknot shirt or like what kind of crossovers they might have tried to make the Grateful Dead do that they actually ended up doing because you know they were always doing like oh we did a show with the Beach Boys or we did a show with Chuck Berry or oh, yeah. like you know these sort of things so I'm like oh had they stuck around through like the early 2000s like oh would it have been like the Grateful Dead and Jay-Z unplugged in New York, you know, like, <laughs> like Lincoln Park and Jay-Z or something. Or like, I just always think about like how silly that would be. Right. Damn, dude. <laughs> I, I got 99 problems. And yeah. Touch and create one. It's like Jerry Garcia in 1999 at Woodstock in 99, like Grateful Dead Whoa. playing between like corn and Limp Bizkit or in something. Green Day? Yes. Before the Green Day mud. Yes, Green oh Day. Oh, my God. Jerry Garcia doing, like, slide guitar on a little Green Day song. Or just, like, funny stuff. Can you imagine him doing just, roll like, Franklin's Tower in the midst of that mud war? <laughs> Holy hell. Yes. I thought that was, when I was, like, a very little I kid. Day, oh, you love it? Green. I, everything was punk rock was just so cool when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Just the spirit of it. Dookie. Is but like then the hippie it. stuff kind of started getting me, like. Oh, yeah, man. In like seventh grade, yeah. there was this shop, like a local head shop called yeah. Greenfields, and they sold like bead doors for your bedroom or like stars for the ceiling or black light posters and they what had like um, tie-dyes like heady tie-dyes yeah whoa and like yeah. when i was like Artifacts in seventh grade i would see this like weird tie-dye and i was like what is that even but i was what always so drawn to it and then like in high school i read electric kool-aid acid test and i was like oh i was like i will never even smoke a cigarette but if i ever get a chance to do this lsd stuff I would smart. love to. <laughs> like that was like my mindset. I was like, I would so, love to try that stuff. That's so intuitive too, because like, <laughs> that's so intuitive because there's so many synthetic elements that go into a cigarette. Of course, LSD, but yeah. like a cigarette is a heavily synthetic, yeah, derived substance. Mushrooms and cannabis are those are pretty organic. Like you could buy those next to kale. Yeah. Like if you were talking about the grocery store of life, the the edible weed though. It's too crazy for well, me. The, the, the reason <laughs> in Colorado, like Did I you get fucked up. Here's the problem. I, I felt so bad. My my poor wife. We're on a family vacation. Do you have your your child with you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Up? Well, no. I didn't mean to. Get, here's what happened. We had friends. Everyone knows a couple. Well, not everyone. We know people in every city that we go to, and so we always are connecting with different people. Like I'm connecting with you now. Yeah. Well, one of our friends we made 
run like a weed edibles bakery. So they gave me like oh, oatmeal man. cream pies that were like 600 grams of weed or like little Debbie's. A nerd's, yes. Jesus they gave me like weed. 600? <laughs> yes. And so literally I'm friends? like, I was just like eating. Bullies. I'm like, oh, just These eating them. I'm back in the hotel and I'm like puking my guts out. I was like, Kara, I think I'm going to die. Like this is <laughs> terrible. Like, and I was like, oh, like I'm like, I could do like anything, but sometimes weed will just like get me. Man, when you eat it, your liver, um, dies or something <laughs> yeah and there's um three different chemicals that that are produced when your liver eats it and it's like in there something i think i'm a dumbass <laughs> i i think they're like 10 times more psychoactive than thc yes regularly and it's like holy hell man like no one tells you that when you go to buy the gummy bear like they don't the dude's like yeah man tastes like strawberry it's like well what yeah. is it it's like bro i don't i don't fuck with that it's like what do you you work at a reed store like is the tea or indicate it's like i don't fuck with that it's like okay whatever yeah i'll buy it i'll see and it's like, my God, sir, I'm riding a fucking dragon halfway through Scarlet Fire all, all the way over Red Rocks. And I'm yeah. Astral projecting. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 There's it, nothing it, more fun, though, than taking edibles and playing. You know, oh, playing. Okay. It's a whole different thing. Oh. You know, but, man, I'm, I, I probably got to get out of here because yeah. I'm hitting fish for the first time. Yes. This you, I, I'm hitting shows. fish for the first time in like two weeks. Wow. What so, a moment we have here. Yeah. So we're both pre fish. I'm Maybe so we'll, a year from now we'll do another one that's post fish. Like we talk about that. it, <laughs> how our first show was or whatever. I'm really excited for your journey, man. And just the way when I see Working Man's Dead or I see American Beauty, when I see your artwork, it makes me feel in Thank a good you. way. And so I love repping it. And I, I just Thank love you. the fact I got I to meet the person it. and like what you do is so real. And thanks for taking the time to come here to the Cosmic Country Cottage and like yes. just hang, man, because this is fun, dude. Dude, very. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. If you're still listening, thanks. Yeah. No, they're listening. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Dude, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. So much positivity. I mean, I just got to drink a little bit of Topo Chico here to hydrate myself after all that positivity from Tony from Holy Moly Mischief. Indeed, go check him out on Instagram. Uh, and he'll be at any Grateful Dead show, any Dead and Company show, rather, uh, for the foreseeable future. He's always on the lot, and he's uh, he's always has the best stickers fanny packs, hats, shirts, and the best, biggest smile on his face. And I think a smile in real life uh, goes a long way these days, a genuine one. Uh, thank you for listening to this. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Uh, I hope it could be, have been a value for you. This is an investment of your time and your conscious energy. And all I want to do, truly, sincerely, from the bottom of my heart and soul, I mean this, is to bring you value and to bring you positivity and patience and persistence um, that you can therefore take and use in your own life. I, I really think this is how part of this realm works. Um, thanks to our friends over at Osiris Media for hosting the Lost Highway podcast, This Road Needs a Place to Go. Um, our friends over at betterhelp.com slash lost highway for 10% off today. Uh, real, actual, smart analyst, therapist that you can talk to and share your uh, issues and observations with and they will help you deal with them and organize your immediate environment in a way that propels you better for more happiness in a, a positive, more aware existence. Um, one more time, I want to share this Carl Jung quote that my friend sent me after I took 150 milligrams of edibles uh, this this weekend during Thanksgiving. It, was, it brought me into a very dark place. Uh, but I'm glad I went there and I, I think it's, it's good to go there. It, it's good to learn those things about yourself and to learn that there is that side of you and that you can deal with that side of you and there's actually something to be learned from that side of you. Here we go, Carl Jung, as always, to be satiated, excuse me, with the necessities of external success. There's no doubt 
an inestimable source of happiness, yet the inner man continues to raise his claim. And this can be satisfied by no outward possessions. And the less this voice is heard in the chase after the brilliant things of this world, the more the inner man becomes a source of inexplicable misfortune and uncomprehended unhappiness in the midst of living conditions whose outcome is expected to be entirely different. Now, when I read this to you, you probably feel that it's real. But how is it real to you? And it's also real to me and it's also real to Carl Jung. Well, perhaps a lot of our problems that we feel that isolate us in this world are actually the things that tie us together the most. Stay persistent, stay patient, stay positive, my friends. Keep it cosmic and I will see you next time. Osiris.